This is the Skies Blue Podcast. Well, I never felt more like singing the blues Cause I never thought that I'd ever lose your love, dear Why'd you do me this way? Well, I never felt more like crying all night Cause everything's wrong and nothing ain't right without you well, matches have been coming thick and fast, a lot thicker and faster than the Sky is Blue podcast, but we're back recording uh, the night before the trip to Hartlepool on BT Sport for everybody to uh, watch across the nation. So, as usual, it's me, Phil Tooley, Paul Fisher, Stuart Basson and Daryl Carpenter. Um, we'll be looking back over the last six or seven matches or so. The last, well, if there's six or seven matches, you'd assume there'd be six or seven signings, wouldn't you, really? Mostly done on the day of a match. Injuries and forthcoming fixtures as we come towards the business end of the season and uh, see if James Rowe can add to the 50 points in his first 26 games that he's already accrued for Chesterfield to put the Spyrites right in the mix. With a couple of uh, tricky games coming up over the weekend, Hartlepool and Torquay, third and first, respective. So... Um, since we last spoke, Paul, you know, uh, it, it's, it's been a mixed time, but still in there. We can look at the uh, uh, the great win away at Eastley and the great win away at Bromley, but a bit of mix in between. There was a win at Kings Lane, draws against Wrexham and Boreham Wood and defeats against Bromley at home, of course, and uh, Halifax Town. Re- real mixed bag, but still in the mix. Yeah, indeed, and it's important to be there. I think the last pod, we weren't actually quite in the playoffs before we uh, we did that, but I think a couple of win- away wins at Weymouth and, uh, and at Eastley sort of made sure that we jumped in. It might have been the Kingsland result. I can't remember which one it was that uh, made us jump into the, the top seven as such, but it has been a bit of a, a mixed bag, hasn't it, uh, at times. Uh, the home form seems to have slightly dropped off of Keel uh, a little bit, while the away form has been fantastic. Uh, so far so maybe it's something that uh, James Rowe can can look at a little bit um two uh, tough games coming up of course which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, pretty soon but yeah the mixed bag results very impressive performance at Bromley the night just to stop that that poor run uh, overall uh, but the home form again as I mentioned before just been a bit been a bit sketchy hasn't it but the away form as I say been uh, been pretty decent and uh, that's what's kept us in there really I think and Daryl, you know, uh, the next two games, Hartlepool and Torquay, followed by uh, the, the rest of the seven fixtures that are due, I would say in seven out of seven, the opposition will be going all out for a win, not in the Boreham Wood avoiding defeat uh, manner that we had a, a week or two ago. Obviously, Hartlepool and Torquay, along with Sutton, are gunning for that automatic promotion place. Uh, those teams near the bottom, Woking, Kingsland, Wealdstone, have got nothing to play for. There's no relegation fear, so they can go out and enjoy themselves. Dagen and Redbridge, who were near the bottom, have just come off the back of three wins. And then Halifax, well, there could be an awful lot riding on that last game at the Shea. But we've got seven games against teams who will be trying to win, and that must be an advantage for Chesterfield. Oh, I think so. I mean, that Boreham Wood game, I think I still haven't woken up from it, really. Um, <laughs> they're, they're an awful, awful group to watch, aren't they? Um and we do we do have trouble when we take, come up against big physical, well-organised teams who sit very very deep. Um, we 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 never got round the back of them all night. We didn't create very much. I mean, the Asante injury was obviously crippling both from a 
that particular game's point of view, but for the rest of the season and beyond. Uh, but yeah, I tend to agree with you, Phil. The, the thing with these sides that have nothing to play for, and this is what worries me about the integrity of of not having relegation, is that they will either go out and play with complete freedom, or like Wilston, who capitulated, was it 7-2 against Hartlepool? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Came back well, they, scored, they were 7-0 down at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you know, human nature says... If, if if you get a goal behind or too early on, your head's going to go down because, you know, does it really matter? So I do think that decision, I don't think we had any choice at the end of the day, has, has intrinsically affected the, the integrity of the thing. But um, I'm, I'm still pinning our hopes on on staying in the top seven. And I, I reckon off the top of my head, we need about 15 points to do it. And I think we can and the the three teams that Chesterfield play immediately after Torquay, uh, Woking away, they've got a record of one win in 14. Kings Lynn at home, two wins in 16. Wilsden at home, one win in 10. You know, you, you've got to assume that anything less than nine points from those three games in that target of 15 is going to be a disappointing return, isn't it, Does? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely right, Phil. Um, I mean, I will take two draws Saturday and Monday. Um of the two coming up this weekend now, if you offered it to me. Because um, I do think when you're playing sides at the top, and that was the thing that was disappointing about the Bromley and Halifax games, games we should never have lost. Um, you know, a point from either of those now will be looking really, really good. Um, it, you know, it would have improved our position enormously, not just because it gives us the extra point, but taking the, the two off the other two. So... Um, draws against teams in and around you are never bad results, are they? No, they don't. And Stuart, looking at that Bromley victory on Tuesday night, mm. that was almost a, a, a playoff preliminary, wasn't it? Because you're playing a team who's up there that you've got to go out and, and beat. And, you know, not only did Chesterfield win, they won in some sort of style. The Bromley goal, I think it would have been 1 0 had, had Grant Smith not made that, that error. That said, it was a great finish from young Josh Arthurs for the for the goal. But that was almost a, a practice for the playoffs because they're one-off games that you've got to go out and win. And, um, yeah, we don't want to go into penalties. We're on a good run on penalties. We're not going to win another one, surely. Mm. And, uh, um, you yeah, know, that really will have been something that I'm sure, assuming Chesterfield do get to the playoffs, that James Rowe will constantly re- review and remind his troops about. I'm sure he will. Yes, I. Um, as is my usual habit, I, I was a nervous watcher of it. But um, on reflection afterwards, you 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 sort of think why, you know, because we we looked in 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 good shape all the way through that, didn't we? Um, you know, young Clark going forward like like he was, much better, much further forward, I think, than 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 deeper as he has been played from time to time. Um, Taylor looks an absolute revelation again just as he did when he joined us and 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 we do look really well well set now and and you know with the 2-1 winners deservedly so and in terms of what they created i think there were a few um after we went 2-1 up weren't there when when we were sort of hanging on a bit at the end and and smith pulled out one or two reasonably good saves but um I, I don't think they troubled us really and and there is much in in the way that we played 
that 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 James Rowe can bring back to the blackboard. Um, you know, when he's setting us up for playoff matches, whoever they're against. I mean, it, we could be well, any one of the last. What Boreham? We're well, not Boreham Wood now, but Bromley all the way through to to Torquay plus Halifax at the end. They could all be playoff um, opponents again, couldn't they? Really. Mm. And, and and that that you refer to, Stuart, that last under the cosh of it after the the second goal. Again, that's good practice because the pl- the playoffs, if you are in front, there will be a bit of gung ho play from the opposition. So a bit of practice against gung ho um, mm. could only go well, assuming it goes well for the team. Indeed, indeed, and and it's um, you know. It, it, it is good to get that sort of practice because that will happen. And, and you know, we need to be practicing um, what we're going to do, setting up to, to, to face that. Are we going to leave people up to, to try and break and extend the lead? You know, or, or are we going to be confident in our ability to, to hold our shape at the back there and, and just keep people out, keep them to shots from outside the box and things like that. And as I say, I, you know, until we actually, conceded um and it wasn't really a, a, a crafted chance that they conceded from uh, uh, they scored from rather was it until we conceded we didn't really look in any danger you know um and just as like at, at king's lynn we went one nil down but we never looked like losing it even when we were one nil down it was just a question of when really rather than if you know um and to turn that game round and and just kept Bromley at bay, you know, one of the better sides in, in, in the league, make no doubt. They've got some good young players, um, but we were able to keep them at arm's length reasonably comfortably, I thought, throughout the whole of the game. And in the two games over um, Bromley, I think Michael Cheek probably only had one chance in the entire one <laughs> eight minutes, and he scored from that, so it shows don't, don't give him uh, him chances for, for sure. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say it's a bit of a peculiar, a peculiar performance from Cheek. I thought on on uh, Tuesday because he was in trouble with the ref early for something. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one or two, or two or three rather, um, challenges with Gunning where Gunning went down rubbing his head, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and he just seemed to be a bit off it for me on on Tuesday. He wasn't anything like the threat that I thought he would be, having seen the the, the game up here. Yeah, the, the booking in the 17th, 18th minute, something like that, I, I think took the edge off him a bit. And Gunny's got the experience to know how to play that. That's absolutely for for, mm. for sure. I, I have to congratulate the people who edited the six minutes of highlights from the Bromley, uh, Bromley game. They're, they're, they're the sort of people who, who must make an absolutely lousy Hollywood film look quite good because it made it look as though Bromley were in the game. Well, yeah. I'd have to look closely at it and make sure that all those chances they showed were actually against us. <laughs> yeah, they might have slipped one or two others yeah. in against teams who were in the every, same kit. I think yeah. they showed every a lot of tape. Yes, I think they used every instance of Bromley getting in our final third and a handful of the ones of, of Chesterfield in their final third. But they, mm. there you go. I'm not sure who does all the editing these days, whether it's the home team or, or somebody at the National League or BT. I'm, I really, really don't know. Um, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And, of course, the week before, set up, or the match before, uh, Wrexham set that up because the two performances were very, very similar, mm. with the exception of Rollsport. Yes, I mean, what a useful point that was then at, at Wrexham, you know. So, and it's a useful point. Perhaps three points would have been uh, deserved overall in the candidacy for for that. So, 
you know, um, going there. I was a bit fearful, actually, of, of going there. You know, on the back of uh, the, the home defeat and the game in hand, you know, against uh, Halifax, um, I was a bit fearful going to Wrexham, thinking that, you know, they've made a load of new signings as well, the strikers and whatnot, thinking that we might get a little bit turned over here. But, uh, no, a staunch defensive performance, and in the end could have won it as well. So, marvellously set up. And to get four points from those two particular games, I think... Uh, did us the world of good, and it's just a uh, little bit of the icing could be happy if we get a point tomorrow, I think. Yeah, obviously, uh, Wrexham following James Rowleeds, uh, their two latest signings, both from Gloucester City. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, Gloucester signed them after most of their team had disappeared somewhere else that I can't quite remember uh, <laughs> where they, yeah, they, they went to. And, and in those, you know, we, we've touched on those defeats, Daz. Um, you know, neither Bromley nor Halifax should have ended in in defeats whilst you know the Halifax was a little bit of defensive lapse more than anything yeah. uh, Bromley when the when the equaliser came it looked like there was only going to be one winner Bromley had been just happy to soak everything up and then they flicked a switch didn't they when when we equalised and looked like the likely winners they did um it was a bit of a shock because I think once we rightly got back on level terms uh, from from the unlikely source of um uh, Harry Maguire's brother's right foot. Um, I did think we'd go on and, 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 and get the three points, but it showed a little bit of frailty that I think we do have without Gunning and or Hollis. Hmm. The first goal was was really a nothing. We lost the ball in midfield, a simple knock over the top. I think Kerr, who's been used to playing right of three, suddenly finds himself the middleman and has, has lost cheek. And he was never going to miss, was he? You know, um, he's, he's earned his living on that kind, putting that kind of chance away for years at that level. Um, and then we'd had a warning a couple of times. Is it the guy Kizzy on the, yeah. on, uh, at the right, right wing back sort of area? And he got round the back a couple of times, round Lawrence, and he, he'd lost him first half from set pieces. Um, and I know their manager made reference in, uh, after the game that it's something that they they talked about before the game that Maguire can go to sleep on that back stick, and he certainly did for the for the winner. Um, and really, it was a travesty in terms of if it had been a boxing match, you'd have called it off a long a long time earlier, wouldn't you? But um, they're just frailties that we had at the back when we had to make you know with Hollis out for a long time, obviously, and then Gunning being going off. Um, we just looked a bit unbalanced, I thought, at the back for the first time in really since Roe came. Yeah, very, uh, very much so. And the the Halifax defeat, the, the the concessions there were both second phases in from set plays, a corner and free kick, weren't they? That uh, hasn't been a feature of Chesterfield's game at all in in recent times. No, we we looked we looked down, didn't we, as a side? I think we were still getting over the Asante blow. Um, we then had the defeat on the Saturday at home against the runner play. We looked a bit sorry for ourselves, and I thought we were uh, that first half against Halifax. We were we were five yards off the pace, and certainly weren't. Um, I think, as as the manager intimated to you, Phil, um, getting to the second ball first, applying pressure all over the pitch like we have been doing, and. The first goal's a nothing shot, really, through a rook of players. I mean, it must have gone through, I don't know, eight, ten pairs of legs and, and nestled, bobbled into the corner. 
the second goal is a great delivery, but and a, and a fine header, but we should never let him deliver it in the first place, should we? So, yeah, I just thought we were off the pace. Uh, but again, Halifax were hanging on, weren't they? And was it that the keeper made a fantastic save late on down his near mm. when Kerr got round the back and uh, when, when things like that, you just think, well, it's not our night. And um, I thought we grew into the game, but by then the damage had been done, hadn't it, really? It had, and uh, certainly I think most Halifax supporters felt that they uh, 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 they they got a, a great win there without a great performance. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't think too many people could disagree with that. Well, of course, earlier on in that uh, run, Stuart, the win at Kings Lynn, having come from behind to win, which isn't something that happens too often or hasn't happened too often in the last uh, year or two. And uh, one of my favourite tweets of the time, you know, Gaffer, how do we cope with their their leading scorer? And he sort of said, well, we'll sign him then. And, uh, so Cairo, Cairo Mitchell coming in, not eligible to, well, he, he was technically eligible to play for that game, but James Rowe uh, said he wouldn't have played him anyway because he didn't feel it was right. Uh, and oh, and by the way, while we're thinking about that sort of thing, Scott Bowden isn't eligible to play for Torquay on Monday either. Okay. Uh, um, so his habit of scoring against former clubs Technically, it's, it's still his current club, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Won't be able to continue. But Cairo Mitchell, your thoughts, Stuart, on on, on his progress since uh, signing? Obviously, made his debut in that Boreham Wood game. Yeah, and with the injury to Asante, I think for the first couple of games, we didn't see him quite in the role that um, James Rowe might have signed him for, um, you know, because he suddenly was the one up front. Um as we had been playing with Asante, um, I, I, I would think that he'd been signed to play alongside another forward like Asante. Um, but with with more help, you know, um, he looks a better player. Uh, I, I quite like what I've seen so far. Um, got that that nice goal against Halifax, didn't he? That uh, you know, where he just sort of worried the player in possession a little bit and caused an error and fed on the scraps, you know, that's what you want to see players doing. Um, just need, you know, once he settles in, I, I think he'll be fine, but it's, it's, it's a big ask, I think even, you know, because he scored a few goals for Kings Lynn, didn't he? But, but that was in quite a short spell. And before that, um, you know, not, not, not a great deal of experience of football, even at this level. Um, but I think you know, as he as he grows more confident um, and you know becomes more more established, I think we'll see a lot more from him. And we've seen more from him since a certain Danny Rowe has come mm. into the uh, into the side, uh, mm. the, the attacking version of Jan Molby. I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 his technical ability, Stuart, is is without question. He's, mm. he's, he's only found himself in one shooting position from his favoured sort of eighteen to twenty-five yard range in the games that he's played so far. But it seems to have given Mitchell a lot more freedom uh, to go around. And whilst Mitchell might not have been playing absolutely at the top of his game, he's starting to take up the right sort of positions more often yeah. and play out of possession better and, and make himself available more. And Rowe's got that ability to be able to find him, hasn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, it's almost just as though having Rowe in the side draws people to him. Um, and so there's, they're paying less attention to Mitchell, you know? Um, when the Santo was playing on his own up front, they were able to crowd him out reasonably effectively. Um, and 
I don't you know if you have if you have two up front or one up front and one sort of ish like Rowe has been playing then um, I, I think it just stretches the defenders a bit more you know and especially with 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 Rowe setting up not to play in exactly the sort of position that well we all hoped he might I suppose and expected that he might uh, and certainly the opposition will expect him to be a bit more you know of, of an attacking sort of forward um with him not doing that i think it it, it sows confusion and that you know disorganizes defenses and and opens it up for the rest of them people like mitchell especially yeah playing in that withdrawn slightly withdrawn role paul as really does confuse the defense and it and it allows a technical player like danny rowe to get on the on the ball and play switch switch passes he's, he's done short passes long passes and he's good at holding the ball as well, waiting for the midfield to 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 come through. And uh, you know, you don't. It's funny, isn't it? He? He's signed as a striker. He's signed as one of the most prolific strikers at national league level he's ever ever been. But his presence so far has improved the team without him ever really looking like scoring. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that. It's um, a lot of fans are saying, "Well, why is he playing so deep?" Everything, but you've watched Danny Rowe over the last sort yeah. of four or five years. If you take more interest in non-league football, you'll see that he plays a withdrawn role. It's almost Jack Lester-esque, you know, obviously without the the sort of close ball skills that uh, they'll have. Um, I hesitate that Danny Rowe probably scored more goals than Jack Lester over the the course of the time, but. Um, he does play that withdrawn role. People seem to forget there's another striker with him this time. You know, so if uh, if people can concentrate on Rowe, Mitchell's there to try and pick up the slack. It's just a shame that uh, Asante's not not available, isn't it, to uh, be alongside Rowe. They would work together. Asante comes deep at the same time as well. They could they could interplay. Would that bring Tom Whelan back into the starting eleven a little bit more uh, to the expense of Jack Clark? And I'll, I'll just play the caveat for the last podcast. I said that Jack Clark would be much better as a defensive midfielder. I lie. He's uh, he's a much better as an attacking <laughs> midfielder. He's uh, he's 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 much better when he gets his head down and starts running at the defenses. I know he's only he's only young, but uh, but yeah, from what I saw the last couple of games, he's he's very very impressive when he gets uh, his head down and runs at the uh, at the defence. But uh, Danny Rowe, I think we can we can look forward to uh, seeing him score. He just needs that first goal. And of course. Uh... Daz was teasing us. He knew that somebody was signing. I think he secretly knew who it was, but God, uh, <laughs> all you at Chesterfield FC, he would not open his lips. We oh, were guessing. We were guessing everybody that's walked the planet, and uh, <laughs> except Rowe, yeah. <laughs> and you know, talking about Jack Clark, Daz, that yeah. that goal that he scored is going to give him an awful lot of confidence because Chris Bush is is, is one of those uh, players that we've talked about at National League level so often that just bosses it physically doesn't he and uh, very very reliable and uh, Clark who's about half his size and half his weight uh, just hustled him into a mistake but he'd still got some work to do hadn't he does oh not off I mean he I think Clark's been getting better and better with every game and um, he buzzes around people he's a a constant nuisance and I think he, he eventually sort of bought that error out of Bush by by being around him where he where he wanted time on the ball. Um, and when he picked it up, you know, all credit to him, two touches, head up, and it was a great finish because he's coming in for a left footer from the wrong side, really, to mm. hit the corner. And it was just a peach of a finish, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And it will have given him a, a tremendous boost of confidence. And that's what the youngsters need, isn't it? You know, a, yeah. 
think Rowe said he needed to put an arm around his shoulder. He's that kind of lad. Um, and that will have done him the world of good. Um, he, he could be a big influence of the next uh, few weeks, you know, going into the, the, the back end of the season because he's, he's something different as well. Um, anyone that can carry the ball at that level and go past people as he, as he can, and now he knows he's got to finish on him as well. That'll do him the world of good. Sorry, Phil. Is it does? Is there? There's a an inkling that uh, he may be here next year um, because his loan is finishing at the end of the season, and he's he won't get a new contract with Aston Villa. So, is there an is there an inkling that he could be possibly with us next season? Um, I I couldn't possibly comment, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Nice smile. Nice smile. Yeah, if you're listening on the podcast and can't see Daz's face, nice <laughs> smile on there, a bit wry. And talking, Daz, about players improving with every game, uh, uh, substitute the name Manny Oyeleka because, uh, you know, we wonder what all the fuss was about on game number one. By the time he played away at Bromley, he saw what all the fuss was about because he yeah. uh, he, he, he ran that middle of the park, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've got some awareness of him, actually, the sad soul I am. The year we were going down, I was watching quite a bit of National League football. Um, and I remember him playing for Aldershot at that time, uh, presumably when James Rowe was, was mm. number two down there. And every game you saw him, he was, he was a beast. Uh, I mean, he was, he was winning the ball off people and travelling with it. And he had a goal threat in him. Um, and the sort of player who stands out to you, you know, when you really don't know who's playing. Um, and he certainly in the last two games, I thought he was terrific at Wrexham, but Tuesday night, in the absence of of Weston, who's been terrific as well, just said, right, I'll take that responsibility. Don't worry about it, Gaffer. You know, they're not getting past me tonight, and I'm going to run the tempo of the game. That was the other thing for me, hmm. along with Smith, who I also thought, again, yeah, was very handy. Very good. Yeah. Um, they just ran the tempo of the game, but broke everything up. He was awesome Tuesday. He really was. And as you've alluded to, took Martin Smith with him as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's quite a handy footballer. I have to say, uh, the more I see of him, the more I like him. Yeah. And talking of handy footballers, um, Stuart, you you mentioned him earlier on. Joel Taylor. He's had a couple of uh, uh, extra bouts out with COVID isolation and everything along those lines. But the last couple of games, you know, he's just absolutely been top dog, Wrexham and Bromley away, hasn't he? And been responsible for for as much as anybody on the park for, for getting those four points in the in the two games. And what a cross for Carlisle's goal! Yeah, it's sensational, isn't he, to watch? Yeah, you know, I mean, he, uh, Taylor or Whittle, um, for most of the games, I, I would have said. Um, Whittle simply because he he has the appearance of being a better defender, you know. But Taylor gives us so much more going forwards um, than Alex Whittle has, has been able to um, so far. And and as you, you know, his crossing ability, as you say, is is just a joy to watch, you know. And he doesn't seem to have to spend ages controlling the ball and getting it on his right foot and getting it just in the correct foot rather and getting it just in in um you know the correct place that he wants it he'll it, if it comes to him he'll just ping it over and, and 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 it'll be so effective and yeah i mean that that cross placed where it was 
I think there was one or two Chesterfield players could have gone after it and bundled it in, and it just, you know, fell right at the feet of Carline, as we saw, um, to give... That was his first goal for us as well, wasn't it? So there yeah, were it didn't two. seem like it, because my, yeah. my, my initial reaction wasn't that, oh, that's his first goal, as it was with Jack Clark. Yeah, that's mm. my first reaction with Jack Clark. Yeah. Uh, of course, he scored at... Was it Dagenham and Redbridge, and it was disallowed, and uh, oh. it's been that close so many times, hasn't it? That it didn't mm. feel like his first... Uh, yeah. uh, to, to, to me mm. and the quality of the cross was that good that Carline who's been in that position 847 times during his Chesterfield career <laughs> even if he'd have completely mishit it he'd have still got it <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. he had the appearance just in that crowd of players who we were watching it through of it sort of bouncing off a knee or something like that but uh, but uh, no great cross and, and, and he does that all the time you know he doesn't necessarily seem to stop to look up and look for someone and measure it or just whack it in there and and um you know it, it, it's a awfully difficult thing for defenders to deal with it it, it it is so good to watch well i took the pleasure of uh of correcting manager james Rowe off air on uh, on tuesday night when in the uh in the initial interview for the uh, for the club and the derbyshire times he uh, sort of said about carline he says yeah he's played every minute uh uh, of my stewardship and uh, I, did, I did ask him what position he played at Solihull away and he couldn't think what position he played that's because of course he was suspended having been sent off against Solihull home um, uh, so I, I did take great pleasure in, uh, in that to be fair uh, um, <laughs> but the, the one new signing we've, we've not talked about before we uh, uh, move on is James Montgomery we saw briefly and um, yes views difficult to tell impossible to tell certainly the first goal that went through the legs and the crowd live from the position i was sitting at i felt that there was nothing he could have done about it i've seen the replay and i feel that yes he was a little bit slow moving even if he was uh unsighted and you know there, there were questions on, on the other goal as well about uh, about the movement so your view paul on uh, on mr montgomery's one and only so far well, I mean, he's experienced enough, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think he perhaps would think that he could have done better. I think with the uh, the goals, it was certainly a bit of a, a surprise. I suppose he was going to go down the. They really didn't expect somebody of experience of him to to come into the squad, but of course, Gates that aren't playing, are they? So, um, and he's coming in on a contract as well. It's not a loan. He's had a brief loan spell with Southend before then, didn't he? he played a couple of games for so yeah. for for yeah, them. He's got um, an awful side as well. So that's well, exactly, yeah. Um, but you know, he did, I mean, okay, yeah, maybe one of the goals perhaps he could have done better with, but he looks a, a steady Eddie, doesn't he? Really, I think, uh, you know, whether he's done or not, uh, it was a surprise first and foremost, it was surprising coming in, but it, you know, James Rowe indicated that he wanted to take a look at him, uh, which was a bit of it, a bit of a strange one in a uh, a season when you're looking to grab as many points as you can looking for promotion. And you just bring a man, just bring a goalkeeper, and you think, well, I'll, I'll throw him in at the deep end. But you know, maybe uh, it was a, a question between Smith and his agent at that particular point that uh, uh, James Rowe just thought, well, I'll I'll uh, negotiate myself right, by dropping you and and putting James Montgomery in. So uh, a bit like what Cookie did with Brindley and Nandule that time at, away at Barnet when he. Uh, refused to play them play ball let's say didn't he uh, at that point uh, but anyway um, Montgomery I think it's a useful signing towards the end because otherwise uh, um, 
we've seen Dylan Wharton. He was the only other one really who was going to be the sub goalkeeper, wasn't he? So you need some experience, and Montgomery uh, certainly fits the bill. And really feel sorry for Cam Mason, who um, yes, you know, of course, the, yeah. plug, the plug was pulled by his club apparently, and then a couple of days later he was released by them after the deadline had gone. So uh, you know he, he's lost the opportunity of, of coming back to a, a club like Chesterfield, and and he's clubless now as a as a result. So uh, that that was a real shame. Did just to finish that Montgomery thing off, did the did the manager make an error with the selection on that one? Do you think? Yeah, possibly given the opponents and the importance of the game, yeah. I mean, you could have picked one of the three less difficult on paper looking games that we've coming up after Torquay, couldn't you? Perhaps to do that. Um, I, I think I mean, nobody we, would mind, mind you, sorry, had you chosen him to play against Wealdstone, unless you put him centre forward, you wouldn't have seen him, would you? The way they've been playing. <laughs> I, I, so I do think uh, I do think it was a bit of a mistake. It was a game in hand that we had, you know, on the other mm. side. It was a rearranged game that we had. Um, but I don't, you don't know what went off behind the scenes with Smith. Mm. As to really, you know, it, it's, unless his hand was forced. So we had to play Montgomery. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think there was any of, any of that. But at the end of the day, I think Smith had kept something like 10 clean sheets in 15 games or something. It did seem a strange yeah. decision yeah. To, to, to me at the time. But, of course, if Chesterfield had not made those two mistakes and won 1-0, nobody would have even questioned it. So Exactly, uh, yeah. I, I'm a bit like you on this one, Paul. I think there's more to this than meets the eye. Um, and I don't know. I am purely speculating. But it struck me, it struck me as a, we've, we've given a contract offer to Grant Smith. He hasn't yet signed. And I'm going to show him I've got somebody else in case he decides in case, to start yeah. dithering about. Because it was amazing how he signed immediately afterwards, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it also could be from Daz, it could be from Grant Smith's point of view, is that he's angling for a, a football league deal. Yeah. You know, yeah. so he got a short-term contract with us. Yeah. Um, to say, well, look, I'll sign with you, but I, I really want a, a football league club to come in for me. Yeah. Uh, maybe he was still angling for that at this stage in his uh, in in his tenure with us. Yeah. So, but the security option is that it's got a year with us, isn't it, for the yeah. next year? Yeah. So yeah. maybe he was still hanging out for that. I don't I don't know, but um, that's the only that's the only thing I can think of is that Grant Smith was thinking, um, you know, I, I, I want a football league club. But as Stu will confirm, for players goalkeepers have played more than ten games for Chesterfield, he stands at the top of the pile uh, ahead of. Uh, the likes of Alan Stevenson and Chris Marples on goals per match conceded is is easily uh, number one by a mile, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. You know he's got that big um, big old run of uh, clean sheets that we had when we had our consecutive wins. You know, um, he's it, it's, a, it's the best clean sheet record since uh, Joe Mitchell at the uh, at the end of nineteen twenty twenty one in the Midland League. You know, so you've got to go back a long way. 100 years, wow. actually, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I clean sheets against games played, obviously. Not, yeah, not in sure. total. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, but he's just come in and he's just looked like a goalkeeper, hasn't he? Which has not always been the case with the people that we've employed as goalkeeper over the last four or five years. And is, is, it the, the first, is it the first goalkeeper since Tommy Lee retired that looks like a goalkeeper? That you want well, to yeah. Yeah, he does to me, you know. Yeah, absolutely. This, you know, he just gets on with it. Is this the record amount of goalkeepers this season? Yes. Yeah. Is, it a, is it record it is amount now, of goalkeepers? Yeah. Of, yeah. 
Yeah, six, including Dylan, trophy, yeah. six including Dylan at the trophy at Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, I, I, I think we're done. I don't think we can get any more now. I think we're going to make do <laughs> with what we got. We're, Will Evans <laughs> might yet make a return. <laughs> well, yeah, we might still get somebody injured, mightn't we? And yeah. have used all the subs and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And talking of injuries, we've, we've mentioned Asante and how dreadful that is, but Hollis as well uh, with that uh, Achilles problem. They're both sort of well nine monthish type of uh, injuries and you know Hollis had uh, 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 just transformed himself and his performance mm. does have me into a, a, a if not the first name on the team sheet certainly in the top two well the, the tragedy on both of them is um, let's be optimistic and say we, we go up gloriously through the playoffs what is it 19th of June is the final you, uh, yes. Yeah. So you've got a fortnight's holiday, then you're back for pre-season training to kick off again first week in August. So you're a month behind every other club in availability of, of players, and you've got two of your very best right down the spine of the team who would probably be regulars in it with either division, one, to be honest, uh, not going to be available till the new year. I mean, it's. They're awful, awful injuries when, when they're that kind of length. And, you know, they're serious enough to... Well, it always leaves a doubt in your mind, will they come back the same player? In my worry. I, 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 well, that's always the case, isn't it? And you know, will it happen again? We had the Aaron Downs. He he did his ACL three times, I think, didn't he? Uh, yeah. For those once, once when he moved on to Cheltenham, I think it was, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, it, it is difficult to, to do that. You know, Asante's not so much about sprinting. He, I mean, he could move a, a fair bit, but his is about strength. So, uh, um, you know, your Achilles, where when you're a defender and you've got to jump and bounce and win headers, I, I, I think it'll be tougher for Hollis yeah. to get back to his level than it will be for Asante. With uh, his frame as well. I think, you know, he's, he's not that... He's tall, isn't he, and, and, and gangly, but... You wouldn't have thought he'd have got the same kind of resilience in his frame that Asante's clearly got. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, people have, have changed their style of play on the back of major injuries like that. And, you know, there's there's nothing stopping Hollis becoming your, your Chris Bush type of, uh, of of building up a little bit more solidity and playing as a, a, as a strong, strong hard man at the back you know he's got the he's, he's still only 26 27 isn't he something like that he's not uh, he's got plenty of years ahead of him yeah. but uh, no question about that and of course there's been other little niggly injuries to the likes of jack mccourt jack mccourt joe rowley uh gunning and weston who have been in, in and out or westerns uh, was out because of the, the the plastic pitch and that was the first time in 14 games with that without him starting that chesterfield have won uh, you know the uh, you have to go back right to the early days of the national league for the last time Chesterfield side without Curtis Weston starting won a game. So uh, that just shows how well Smith and Ayeleka did do. I saw Joe Rowley at the under-19s match the other day, and he's just about back in full training. McCourt has returned to full training. So that central midfield trio, Paul, we're, we've got an embarrassment of riches. We could almost have a a, 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 sun, a a Saturday team and a Tuesday team, couldn't we, in central midfield? Yeah, indeed. I think it... It, it is, um, and it's useful as well, isn't it? You know, uh, um, to to have these players, and they've they've been they've been required. Mm. So you know, the two centre midfielders that we've had uh, that you can throw in, um, yeah. I, I, as Dad said uh, about Tuesday night, I thought, oh, you're like in, 
Smith were sensational. I thought they were really grew into the game. They stopped anything that was coming through um, from from Bromley. Um, McCourt's been missing for a while, but he was with the squad, wasn't he? Uh, I saw yeah. him on a, a yes. camera that somebody else appeared in, by the way, on a, on a camera uh, screen on the on the oh, video, yeah. I think. And somebody made a surprise appearance. I don't know. No. Some some uh, some raving lunatic in the background yeah. uh, came on and. Uh, must have been a monster raving loony party for the local election <laughs> campaign. Uh, that's all I can say. But but that that trio on on Saturday on Tuesday was sensational in in Marty Smith, Manny Oyeleka, and uh, Jack Clark. Wind, rewind a few weeks, and Weston McCourt and Whelan were sensational. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know there won't be any of the team in the top ten have got two solid trios like that that have had sensational runs in the team yeah there, there won't be anybody in that engine room that's that, that's got that and um yeah that that that's great to have the weaknesses that we've got are your tough uncomprised center half because you've only got gunning at the moment because Kirk clearly is stronger at the right hand side as mm-hmm. evans when he was in there and uh george carline on the on the right wing back uh role but you know, maybe we've seen briefly uh, uh, Whittle playing down the right-hand side. He's probably the natural uh, uh, player to come in and do that. And I worked for Joe, uh, for Joe Yarny, Joseph Yarny, who, yeah. you know, the hardest thing to do for any player as a substitute is come on when you're up against it in the last 10 minutes as a central defender. And he didn't put a foot wrong, did he? Mm. No. No, I thought he performed with the, yeah, performed really well. Um, Obviously, started a, a couple of games uh, in recent times. He is the uh, natural backup there. Of course, if Gunning is a doubt for tomorrow, who would who would be on the bench? It looks unlikely to be Evans to be there, wouldn't it? So, um, so maybe there's a, a case for Sharman to to go up with the squad. I'm I'm not too sure, but uh, but yeah, we we can confirm that Fraser Kerr can play on Monday, though, can't he? Because he he's Chesterfield's player. Yes, yes, so, I, I, yeah, yeah, that was a signing, not a. Uh, yeah, alone. Whereas Bowden is alone for talking. Yeah. Going on to Yarny, he's doing the best he can to try and earn himself a contract at Chesterfield, isn't he? By uh, by keeping himself in the manager's thoughts. It was interesting that that James Rowe did say after the Bromley game in in the week that he's seen a marked improvement in Yarny's training. Yeah. You know, whether he has at last bought in or if that last gasp, my word, I only got seven or eight games left to win a new contract here comes yeah. in you don't want it to be the latter you want it to all of a sudden him wake up one morning and he's got it yeah that's, that's where you want it to be at really isn't it uh, yeah yeah indeed you want to be sort of buy into this, this situation you know because you can quite easily find yourself on the on the scrappy they're precious jobs aren't they uh, at this level so um you know, you know joseph yarny can quite find himself uh, out of out of contract and trying to earn something somewhere else you know perhaps even lower down so he's got to get his head head screwed on and i think obviously as as i've just mentioned james rose mentioning him interviews you know in a positive light mm. so that can only bode well for him yes yeah and he seems a real nice lad as well and i think he's joining the dressing room was another thing a lot more yeah. which is another thing that the manager well, alluded to Tom as Whelan's well friend as well isn't he so he knows uh, he knows him from, from yeah uh, from the well, we've got we've got that northwest gang haven't we at the moment there's yeah. quite a few of them from the from the north and, and mccourt's in, in in that little gang as yeah. well coming in from uh, uh, uh from from that area but Stuart, 
on to um, the next few days, Hartlepool away, um, they've had a fantastic run, 15 unbeaten, eight wins, seven draws. And I think we all thought on the first game of our season, because the Wilston game was off, of course, uh, that, that Tuesday night at the Technique Stadium, that Hartlepool had set the standards. And I think they're still the best side that we've played on that performance, but they, they drifted away a bit, but all of a sudden Dave Challen has really, really got them purring, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you, when you said there that, that, that the unbeaten run of what, 15 games mm. seems almost to be made up half and half of wins and draws. Yes. Um, so we shouldn't necessarily go up there expecting that we, you know, we're going to come back with nothing, you know? Um, yeah. They, they, they won a lot of games, but they've drawn a lot as well. Yeah, they tend yeah. to draw on the travels. They've won 11 out of the last 12 home games, which is no mean feat. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Now, people will say, obviously, that records like that end, you know, and the longer it goes on, the more likely it is to end. Uh, that That's good for us going to Hartlepool to say that, but it's it's less good when we're playing teams like Woking, Kingsland and Wealdstone, who are on rubbish runs at the moment, because those end as well, of course, eventually. Yeah. Um, up against us over the years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've normally been the go-to team to, uh, to, 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 to ring up and, and call out whenever anybody needed three points. In a hurry, um, <laughs> you know, we'd normally been quite obliging like that, but but this is a different team, isn't it? Um, I, I sort of fancy us to get something back from Hartlepool. Well, um, of course, Ricky Bennett's gone back to Stockport. He was called back. At, well, he wasn't called back. His loan came to an end. He's got a hat trick in their last match, too. Yeah. And it, it'll be Paul. It'll be two weeks since they played. That 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 can be a disadvantage as well as an advantage, can't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Getting yourself back into a, a rhythm, and Chesterfield have had plenty of practice, haven't they, this season? Mm. Of having uh, a couple of weeks off due to un- unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances, haven't they? So, and not always uh, gone to the the uh, the right result, if I vaguely remember. Um, mm. But uh, but I think that you know it'll be difficult. They've been in a bit of a rhythm. All of a sudden, that comes to a stop. You know, and that, that player going back as well, who was a voice in the dressing room, perhaps scoring some goals. Yeah, it could upset their rhythm, couldn't it? So um, there's no reason to be to be afraid of going up to uh, to Hartlepool and getting the win, you know. And you'd all take a point, wouldn't you, straight away? You shake hands uh, right now on that, wouldn't you? So uh, with a win, with a win, if it was a win guaranteed on Monday, of course. Mm. <laughs> and you, you, we, we were having a conversation uh, a week or two ago, Daz, weren't we? About you watched them on television yeah. recently. We're very impressed, uh, particularly with the, the the right wing back, I think, and. Uh, um, and when, you, when I talk to people who, who watch Hartlepool, Gary Little's had an absolutely storming season at, at the back, the former Sparite, of, of course. And then a, another former Sparite, albeit a trialist, Nicky Featherstone, has been there, mm. yeah. uh, heartbeat in midfield, hasn't he? He has. Yeah, the two wide men, Armstrong and Cass, are very, very good. Armstrong on the left, Cass on the right. I think Cass was on loan from Newcastle, from memory. Um, is it Elliot Cass, is it? <laughs> Something like that. He's got quite long hair and he's very good. That's all I can tell you. Um, you're right with Featherston. I mean, when I watched the Notts County game recently, he really makes them tick. And I think the battle tomorrow in central midfield, if I presume he'll play Olieki and Western if fit, will be could determine the game. Because if you can stop Featherston playing, you stop them playing. Little 
to me, still looks like little. And I think if we get at him, uh, he hasn't got any quicker, that is for sure. He, he, he always had a rick in him when he was with us. He got sent off a few times, didn't he? And uh, he wouldn't worry me particularly. But the, the other one I'm a bit worried about is, have they not signed the same kid who had the blinder for Aldershot in goal on loan from Middlesbrough in the last day or two? Um, Brad oh, have they? Well, if they have, I've missed that because yeah, I, I, I believe they have because their keeper's out for the season. Yeah, oh, Killian. Uh, yeah. He's got an elbow injury or something like that, yeah. and, and he he's got a rick in him. Kill it. Yeah. So uh, um, I'm never disappointed when he is on the opposition starting line. Yeah, they had a a, a guy playing the last uh, few matches called Heinrich Ravas on loan from Derby County. That's so right. um, I'm sure, Phil, if you look it up, they've signed this. The guy who was on loan from yeah. to Aldershot when we yeah, Brad, we Brad James in the nil nil fifteen nil and and it was nil nil yeah that was the one um, Brad Brad James that's the, yeah yeah so um, he's he's obviously a very handy replacement if he has that kind of night again yes um, but for the rest of the team stop Featherston no Richie Bennett I think they they brought in a couple of strikers but. It's, it's guesswork as to whether they'll, they'll do what they want them to because they brought Bennett in because they had struggled to, to to score goals. I think one of the front men got, got injured, didn't he? Um, mm. So, you know, it's... And, and the gap, we're all thinking town are going to be tired. How many times have we seen us, you know, have a week off, usually when we knocked out of the FA Cup, for instance, um, and come back and you're rusty. And particularly when you've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, we're in a rhythm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, um, I think that's you know a good point to uh, a good point to make for sure, uh, uh, Daz. In in terms of Torquay, then um, uh, Stewart, you know they've uh, bounced back after a bit of a, a bit of a lull, haven't they? And uh, on a real good run, six wins and a draw in seven. Yeah, yeah, they've done well to, to, to get back on the bike, haven't they, really, from that point of view, because they did fall off it fine style um, a few months ago. And, I, you know, you, you look for sides in any bunch, whether it's at the top or at the bottom, that are going to suffer or turn their form around 180 degrees. And it looked to me like Torquay would be, be the ones who sort of just slipped a place every week until they finished up about 12th or something. But... As you say, they've done really well to get um, back on top of their game and start winning again. Uh, and, and a little bit like Chesterfield a, a, a few weeks ago, if you look at the, those score lines in that run, 1-0, 1-0, 2-1, 1-0. They won 2-0 away at Woking, 2-2 against Notts County, having to be 2-0 down, and 2-1 uh, home against Aldershot. You know, both teams have been in the games all the time, uh, in essence, barring that Woking uh, match when Torquay were two 0 up after fifteen minutes, but didn't get any more. Uh, well, yeah, I mean they've just been battles, haven't they? And it is all those one nils and things for us. Um, sort of have the look of having been battles as well. Um, and I just think they all are at this this, this point in the season. It, it it is just turn up and and get through it and come away with a win or a point or something. And then turn your attention to the next one. You know, it, it is just relentless. But as Daryl said, that, that gets you into a rhythm, you know. And, and the idea that Hartlepool haven't played for two weeks 
is is interesting, you know, because they will not have had that rhythm sustained. No, I I, I personally am delighted that they have not played a fortnight. Whereas James Rowe was was moaning that they managed to uh, uh, postpone a Saturday game, which nobody ever does that, do they? Uh, postpone a Saturday game. Um, against Weymouth to, to make it on the last day of the season. I understand the league wanting that to happen, but you know normally Saturday games are... Uh, um, you, you can't do anything like that, for sure. Uh, and you know, I, I, I like the fact that they're not played. I think there'll be that bit of rustiness, especially with, with, with Bennett uh, uh, being out. But for Torquay, you know, they've, they've had those close games, so it means that you've got to concentrate every minute of every game as well, and it, it, it takes it out mentally. And Torquay, you know, um, I, I noticed uh, um, that um, their their big strong striker Wright wasn't involved at all last weekend, and you know that might be the time for if Gunning's fit for, for Hartlepool, it, it might be a better game for him to miss if he can't make make them both against Torquay, especially if uh, if Wright's not uh, uh, involved so much. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. But Turkey are on a real run, and in Lemonhead Evans, I think they've got one of my favourite players in the in the division at the moment. I think Conor Lemonhead Evans has has been absolutely fantastic when I've seen him, and really grown into. Still only uh, young in his in his twenties, uh, was a youngster at Bristol City, and and you know really grown into to his position running the midfield for for, for, for Turkey. But Turkey are beatable. There's no no question about that. Mm. Well, D- Danny Wright is undoubtedly their their key key man because when he went down in January with with a a hamstring injury which needed surgery, they that's when they dropped like a stone. Mm. He he came back for five games and they won them all. Um, on Tuesday uh, he didn't play, as you say, Phil. He wasn't anywhere near the. And I read in their local press this morning that. He's got another hamstring injury, so right. Um, you know, I think he's absolutely crucial to the way they play. The other thing you need to do against them, of course, is stop the referee adding on ten minutes at the end of the bloody game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> first three wins are all. They beat us in about the ninety-seventh or eighth minute, mm. didn't they? Down there. Yeah, did the same to County the other week, didn't they? Yeah, they did somebody else a few weeks ago as well. well I think I have a feeling their first three wins might have all been that. It was ninety minutes against Stockport on the opening day, yeah. eighty-two minutes against. Uh, oh no, it was a, a defeat. They beat Bromley. That was it. Ninetieth minute penalty from Wright, and then they beat us. Ninetieth uh, minute, Asa Hall. So uh, yeah, they they do like a late goal. <laughs> so uh, if we can get the ref to blow the whistle on time, we you know we, we're probably okay. And uh, as I say, if Wright is missing, I think their whole team ticks off him because mm. whilst they've got some decent footballers, uh, as you say, Phil, particularly that the guy in midfield, um, I think the whole team rotates around Danny Wright. I mean he's. He must be in his mid-30s now, but he's been around yes. a long time. Yes. Uh, and he leads the line. He's a proper old-fashioned target man. Yeah, well, he's, he's scored one hat-trick this season. It was in a 5-0 away win at Hartlepool. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's 36 now. Um, yeah. Danny Wright, you yeah, know, played quite a few games for Wrexham and Cambridge and Cheltenham. Uh, and of course, he he learns his national league craft at Solihull Moors, so yeah. he'll be he'll be known to a number of our uh, our players who who'll, who'll know how to handle him if he does indeed uh, 
if he does indeed play. So, um, yeah, we, we, we've, we've, we've talked about most of the players. We've not really said much about James Rowe today or, uh, of course, Danny Webb, who's joined him as mm. first-team coach. Um, similar sort of age to um, Rowe is Danny, Danny Webb and um, was assistant manager to Justin Edinburgh when Orient went up from this division. So he knows what success looks like. Uh, and, and I think he, he, he had a spell before Justin Edinburgh's time as caretaker man, manager when he was early 30s, I think, at, at Orient. He was, he was really quite young and probably not ready for it. Uh, but comes from a football heritage, of course. Dad, Dave Webb, and we're all re- old enough to remember him. Uh, so, you know, it's another pair of eyes on the training uh, pitch and on the, the, the technical area, Paul, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, most teams will normally have a manager and assistant manager and a, and a coach. And I think James Rose realised that it's too much for him to take on the coaching role and management role all of the time. Yeah, I think a bit of the delegation there, I think uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And somebody can also lean upon as well the experienced George Foster as well. I, I didn't see too much hullabaloo on... Uh, on social media when this signing was made in the first coach usually it's uh whenever Chesterfield do make one there's uh, people saying well you're furloughing players this way then uh, why are you bringing this one in this one was a little bit a little bit more low key but it could be a, a key signing towards the back end of the season couldn't it so uh again it's a little bit of impetus in the coaching standards and and see if the the, the players can receive some fresh ideas going into the back end of the season so it could be a could be a you know a useful useful signing. Could could be the best signing. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I asked him before the match at Wrexham uh, if he could remember who he made his football league debut against, and he he wasn't so sure. And I did remind him it was against Chesterfield. So uh, uh, and I, funny enough, I remember it because I I always used to love David Webb as a player. So he was manager at Southend at the time, and I remember his lad playing, and, and he played a couple of cup games before that, but that was his first football league game as an 89th minute up for South End in a rare defeat for us in uh, um, in 10-11 the 3-2 defeat in 10-11 and the only other time he's played against Chesterfield was when that uh, very nice popular Bobby Zamora waited until none of the officials were looking to kick the ball out of Nathan Abbey's hands and, and uh, singular uh, yes, yes <laughs> to uh, it, uh, Mr Abbey was by no means innocent of <laughs> Um, it, uh, a lack of attention, if you like, over that. In, over that, we incident. remember that he said, "Oh yes, I remember that." Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he came on a sub just after Zamora's second goal in that uh, well, that goal in, in, mm. in that, uh, that that game. So uh, um, yeah, yeah, I, I had a very, very, very brief chat with him at, at Wrexham, and he seems a, a decent lad. He was certainly not shy to give his views to to, to players. Before the match and and during the, uh, the, the 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 match, but James Rowe, you know, he, his 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 star does keeps on rising. You'll have you'll have chatted to him, I'm sure, a few a few times as I have, and um, you know, he's just so good. He's a nice enough bloke, but he's got that bit of steel in him as well, hasn't he? Oh, I don't think he'll suffer fools gladly, uh, and I think you only have to look at the way he's reshaped the squad and the way he's done it um, ruthlessly, really, in many ways. Um, you get the impression one or two people crossed him, maybe, or didn't didn't do what he expected them to do, uh, and, and they quickly left the building or were 
uh, as it turned out to be furloughed and so forth. Um, I did think the furlough thing that came up again this year, I mean, the amount of chatter on various mm. non-league sites about us and furloughing, when every other team at this level and, and below and even above have done it, um, and, and there was there was one from one team that had just signed three strikers the same day and they were still having a go at us for signing mm. signing somebody two weeks ago. But anyway, um, no, he's, he's, every time I listen to him, I'm just more and more encouraged for the future, even if we don't do it this season. And I think sometimes at the minute we do have to pinch ourselves and just think, hang on a minute, when he came in, we were in deep, deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Um a squad that had been cobbled together, uh, no direction, you know, the, the trust having just taken over and all the financial constraints of COVID and everything else. Um, and bear in mind, we've had the three COVID shutdowns as well for him to have produced, what, what did you say it was earlier, Phil, how many points? He uh, reached 50 points on uh, on Tuesday in 26 games, so nearly two again. Absolutely remarkable, you know, absolutely remarkable. And, you know, I, I can sit and listen to him. There's lots of managers you think, well, you know, you're just talking hot air. But I could sit and listen to him all night when he's when he's um, talking about the, the ins and outs of the game and, and this and that and the other. He's such a breath of fresh air. Mm. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think we're very, very lucky to have him. Um, how long will keep him? We've talked, said before, but uh, while ever he's here, yeah, thank God we've got him. Um, and I'm yeah, sure. and, and he's he's stopped the rot. Whatever happens from here on in, the rot has been stopped. Yes. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think it's turned okay. in a new direction. I really do. And and again, we've talked about it in past pods, but you've got to give enormous credit to the board mm-hmm. uh, for for being so brave, really, and forward thinking. It was it was a huge decision at the time, um, you know. Had it had it blown up in the face, um, you know, they would really have been lambasted from 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 all angles, wouldn't they? But um, yeah, it was the right man, the right fit at the right time, and and all credit to him. And I just keep fingers crossed that we can keep everyone we need fit in this running and into whatever playoffs hopefully we get into because. I do think we've a hell of a chance. I still think we've a hell of a chance. And Stuart, three weeks time, um, supporters will be able to go to the Technique Stadium and see it for themselves. How, how big a day? I know it, it'll be limited to just three thousand people, and I'm sure a hell of a lot more tickets could be sold than that. But how big a day will that be for for those Chesterfield supporters lucky enough to get a, a ticket, and for the players as well? It'll be immense, won't it? It'll be like a a mini playoff final in itself, won't it? I think with everybody finally able to get back um, for the first time in a long time, um, it it should give everyone such a lift. Really, uh, it'll probably work against us a week later uh, when we go to Halifax Town if they need to get anything to climb into the playoffs and dump us out of it. But um, but uh, certainly it it. It, it should provide that little impetus just to to drive us closer to the finishing line. It, 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 it'll be such a good day, you know, for the, for the players and everybody to get a flavour of what it can be like. Um, but also to the fans, you know, who are stuck by the club and 
have poured money in as much as they could through the the streams and the halftime draw and all that sort of, you know, all the club's initiatives that buying the pork cobs before the game and that sort of thing, whatever it is, it'll be a reward for them for doing their bit to try and keep the club going um, while we haven't been able to have fans in properly. Absolutely. And, you know, trying to find a, a way of finishing sort of second, third, fourth or fifth when at least you get a, you're guaranteed at least one home mm. uh, playoff match mm. as well would be great. And of course, the I, I presume that the uh, uh, the playoff final, which is say on on opening up day almost, isn't it? That there'll be mm. people to be able to go to that if Chesterfield are involved. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I I've been fortunate to be able to go to the majority of the matches this season with no supporters, and uh, I have to say it's not the same. It, it, it's not the same game. It doesn't feel right. It's been great yeah. to see the performance of the team. But when there's nobody there to yeah. uh, uh, to cheer on that that Bromley win the other night, that, uh, how many people would have gone to Kings Lynn? Never been there before. Yeah, you know, not a million miles away. We'd have we'd have had two thousand people. Yeah, there, mm. well, you know, for, for that. But with the form that the team was in, that was a fifth, yeah. fifth straight or whatever it was, wasn't it? Something like that. And uh, yeah, the, the the place would have just been thronging with Chesterfield supporters, and uh, you know, I, I was thinking exactly that at the at, at the time. You know, how, how disappointed that that probably was the game that disappointed me the most of all because of the run that Chesterfield had been on, and the fact that it was a new ground, and you know, people would have just gone there in their uh, in their squillions as they would do that- to Halifax. Anything I was there. thinking about Halifax. Is that bus station still over where the away end used to be? Yeah, they'd be able to get on the top and look over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there'll be a lot of people getting a bus to Halifax if there is yeah. in town. Yeah, and, uh, and there, there is a, there's a high rise <laughs> across, the, across the road, isn't there? Uh, yeah, everybody who lives yeah. in there could let their rooms out, couldn't they? But yeah, yeah. I, I think they can get a few quid for for that for sure. And Nottingham Forest on the roofs at on Compton Street all over again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think. But uh, you know, right, we'll, we'll we'll start winding up now. Um, simple question: uh, Will Chesterfield make the playoffs? Yes or no? Secondary question: Only answer it if you answer yes. Is will they make it third time lucky for James Rowe in the playoffs from a success point of view? Who will shall we start off with? Stuart. We'll start off with. You. Uh, yeah, I think we'll get in them. Yeah. Um... You know, we've we've got a relatively good run in, so I think we'll we'll have enough. Now we're back in them to um to to stay in them. Uh, and as to whether or not we'll go on and win it, I think we've got at least as good a chance as any of the other teams in it. You know, some will will have more points than us. We'll have won more games over the course of the season than us. But uh, it, it it it's a it it's a Toss of a coin, isn't it? Really, by then, um, you know, you 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 have one team just has a bad day, really, mm. and that's all you need. Um, you know, where well, we saw that last time, um, Danny Rowe went there with file, didn't we? Who were the favoured mm. team who just happened to be rubbish on the day and got beat. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's difficult to say whether we would or if we didn't. But if we didn't, I've absolutely no doubt that we'll go up next season. Without even having to bother with the playoffs, personally, I think we. I mentioned Danny Rowe, of course. Whilst uh, yeah, it wasn't the playoff final, he has scored the winning goal in a final 
uh, at Wembley in the FA Trophy for, for Fylde. And mm-hmm. a decent goal it was too. Uh, and just in case people weren't sure, the final this year will not be at Wembley because we're into Euro 2020 territory. Mm. Only yeah. a year. So it, the venue hasn't been absolutely decided. I think most most speculative talks about Leicester. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything, Daryl, on that. No, um, that that was still the speculation, Phil, that um, mm. the King Power was favourite. The only thing that would worry me about going up through the playoffs is the absolute tiny amount of time that you've got to do anything before you have to start life in League Two again. Yes. It's going to be such a disadvantage for whoever has to do that. Yeah, and it's it's two or three weeks later for the start of the National League, isn't it? Mm, Yeah. That that said, you've done your pre-season on the park, haven't you? A lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you, you, you only, you'll only have a couple of weeks to stuff yourself with uh, ice cream at Malaga. That's won't. <laughs> so, uh, if you can go there, yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. <clears throat> no, no question. So, make a note of that, Paul. Uh, Stuart sitting on fence. Uh, well, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I suppose I am. I suppose I am. But we're, we're going to get in them, whether yeah. we win them or not. You know. Well, we either won't, will or we won't. I, will, I accept that. You'll be right. <laughs> Daz, your turn next. Yes, we'll make the top seven. And I don't know that it's heart really. No, it's, it's, it's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy, is it, now? But I've, I've believed for a few weeks now that we will do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. I think it's going to be purgatory. Uh, but I do fancy us in a one-off game against anybody in this division. Uh, and who would you want to avoid the most of all? Oh, grief. Well, on, on paper, Stockport. But if past history tells us that if we lose twice to them in the league, we knock them out of the playoffs. So I'm not yeah, we've got a 100% record against them in playoff matches. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm not worried about that. Not, and the other thing is, you know, with there now being four teams, genuinely four teams battling for the title, hmm. there's going to be three very disappointed bunnies Yes. come uh, the 29th of May. Definitely. And, and trying, to get, trying to get up again for two of those three that, hmm. that will end up with the, with the free weekend will be very difficult. Mm. Yeah, agree. So Daryl does thinks that we'll we'll get there by hook about crook. Paul, uh, yes, uh, you will definitely get in the top seven because I've backed us to get in the top seven. Oh, well, yeah, not long. Um, so uh, oh, it was long, it was ages ago. It was it, was, it wasn't it wasn't too long uh, in terms of odds. Um, but it was I always do it at the start of the season anyway, even when we were pr- particularly poor and. Um, We've got four home games out of the next six after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, and we haven't been playing that well at home recently. That's got to change. So, uh, or I should say, we haven't been getting the right results at home in the past few weeks. I should say, and um, that that will change, and we shall cement our place in the playoffs. Absolutely no problem. Um, we may even get it up as far as third in the table, uh, which would of course mean an away game, but. Uh, to start with, but I think Hartlepool will get the uh, the top uh, top of the tree. Um, mm. So that's a danger side out of the way. Um, yeah, I say Stockport, but you know, 
I've seen nothing really of any other size other than Hartlepool to to worry about. Mm. So mm. that's my theory is yes and yes. Yeah, we, we we were so poor in the two matches against Stockport in the league and uh, yeah, half decent in the one we won on pens that was expunged and uh, dreadful in the the, the follow-up match, yeah. weren't we? So, uh, yeah, the, 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 there's definitely more more to come. Um, I, I, I said to uh, Bron, who does the Chesterfield social media, apart from this weekend, of course, uh, um, after about three or four games that James Rowe in char- was in charge, having spoken to the manager a couple of times, seen the improvement that he'd made in no time at all, and I said we'd go up when we were probably still fifth or sixth from bottom. And I, I, I don't see. I've not had anything to, to change my mind. I think that overlap we've got in midfield, even though there's weaknesses in other areas in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that will be the most important thing. Now I've got a. I almost a little bit like we were talking about whether Hartlepool's fortnight off is going to be an advantage or a disadvantage. I know if you finish six or well, I don't think I'd want to finish second or third. It means you get the final at home if you get there, but it means you've had a week off. And I think I'd rather play because the matches then are a weekend, weekend, weekend. There's not a midweek game in. So you've got plenty of time with the manager, with the players and plenty of recovery time. And I think that not playing might be. So the ideal position for me is fourth or fifth because then you're at home in the first, you know, in the semi-finals. And then in a one-off match, anything can happen, can't they? So, uh, uh, you know, and if you go to somewhere like Sutton and it's a sellout with about 420 supporters, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the fan fan thing might not make a difference. Away at Stockport might do. Away at Hartlepool might do. Uh, away at Halifax yeah. might do. But, uh, um, yeah, who knows? But I'm, I'm fairly confident that, uh, that, that we'll go up. Um, apart from that Hartlepool match back in October, um, the only team I've seen on a par with that this season has been Chesterfield. Yeah. So, uh, um, and we've been, oh, okay, we've seen Chesterfield more time than we've seen any other team. But, you know, the, the only team that's come close to that Hartlepool performance, I think, has been has been Chesterfield. So I'm, 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 I'm confident. And everything seems to be in, in, in place at the moment. Uh, will I be gutted if we don't go up? Um, yeah, I think I will. Like... Stuart says, though, I'll be very confident for next next season. And yeah, with fans in, I think I, I, I think that'll make a big, big, big difference. And uh, um, yeah, if we don't go up, who would have liked to go up? Well, Sutton <laughs> and whatever to keep to keep some northern teams in and teams that'll bring fans, you know. So uh, as, if Sutton and Bromley went up, <laughs> yeah, if we didn't, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be overly disappointed. So, uh, uh, such is life. Anyway, anything anybody wants to add? We've done uh, our sort of seventy-five minutes or whatever that we uh, we normally. We do anything anybody wants to add? Have you got any nice uh, juicy bits of tittle tattle, Daz? No, only that I was thinking earlier today and had a quick tot up. We're coming to the end of an era for no less than fifteen players out of contract in a few weeks' time, hmm. and. When does I, that include the lads who are on loan as well? Does that include? The no, loan? no, no, that's that's, no. that's, that's with those on top. Um, you know the Dinangas and Yusufs and whoever else, um, uh, Clark and so on. 
And of those 15, off the top of my head, the only one who I think even got a, a chance of a contract now is Yarny, personally. Mm. I don't mm. think any of the others. No, uh, I, I, I wouldn't overly disagree with that. Yeah, we've just mentioned two great trios in midfield and Mandeville wasn't mentioned in it. No. Yeah. 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 So much that he's played his part, he's not had the consistency. He's not played a single 90 minutes for Chesterfield this season. Yeah. No, he's, he's either started and been subbed or been subbed. Yeah. As soon as he gives him an opportunity mm. to start a game and influence it, he never he never turns up for me. No, uh, he fluffs it, doesn't he? he fluffs his lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good analogy. Really. Yeah, that said, crackerjack of a winner at Eastleigh. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah good finish. Really, really well, didn't he there? So, so yeah. So there's, there's that, that said, we've got that many players at the moment on the book on further out on loan, whatever it might be. That. Uh, um, you know, we've got the basis of a pretty good side with what we've got already, haven't we, for, for next season, National League or, or EFL? Mm-hmm. I think nine, so, yeah. We've nine teams signed on for next season. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, and just to confirm, you know, Yusuf and Dinanga, well, Dinanga always was alone, but Yusuf was a <laughs> with a view to uh, uh, to longer, but I, I don't think that that can be called in if the club doesn't want it to be called in, can it? I think that is a genuine loan. Right. If I remember, does yeah. So, Stuart, you any uh, any additions to anything to add? Uh, no, 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 um, no. Great faction figures that we didn't already know about. Um, the anniversary tomorrow of our last home win in the football league, but uh, you know, oh, the right, first okay. time, first time at Newport, one wasn't it one 0 with yeah. a Dennis goal. Um, yeah. But you know now. First time for a long time we can look forward to the next home winning the Football League, I think, and have some idea that it's actually going to take place while all four of us are still on this planet, you know, which <laughs> wouldn't have been the case a year or two ago. No, 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 absolutely. Well, we'll be able to see where we are in August 12 months on, won't we, really? So. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that, regardless of what happens. Uh, uh, Paul, are you anything to add? Uh, just a couple of things, really. Just a nod to my father, making sure he's all right, he's fine, and everything. So that's that's good. Um, and secondly, if you're listening via your podcast providers, can you please rate, review, subscribe to it if you if you really want to, and let us know and get us up those charts. I don't know how to do it, do it, but it it, it happens somehow. So uh, thank you very much for uh, anybody's contributions prior to that. But if they can, that'll be super stuff. And if you're not listening to the podcast, you're not I won't bother rating reviewing it. Yeah, uh, so. don't rate and review it. You know, <laughs> yeah. a waste of time in it, really. So massive, massive three days coming up. Hartlepool and Torquay. Uh, it won't make or break the season for sure. Um, you know, there's seven games to make or break the season in for Chesterfield. We all think that we'll make the playoffs and uh, then we all think we've got a pretty good chance beyond that so uh, times like this it's great to be a spyrite so thanks for listening in and uh, we'll be back I'm sure before the end of um, before the last ball's kicked this season so from me Phil Tooley Daryl Carpenter Stuart Basson and Paul Fisher enjoy uh, this weekend and let's hope it's a fun dabby dozy one thank you And if you like this podcast, then don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and many of your favourite podcast providers.